Therefore, <clears throat> however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. Be seated. Well, I would like for us to consider this short section of Scripture that is often called the Golden Rule. Um, I read that one of the reasons that that name uh, became attached to this section of Scripture is that there is an emperor, a Roman emperor, uh, that appreciated or thought it sounded good, so he had it written in gold in his palace. Now, even though it's only a few words in length, this portion of Scripture, I think, encompasses the ethical teaching of the Old Testament, at least that much, even more, actually, but... uh, that's what he says. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is, I never told you where the scripture is. I'm sure most of you know it's in the Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7 uh, of Matthew and verse 12. Um, one writer said this concerning the, this golden rule. He said, it is a positive obligation about practical compassion concerning everything we do for others. For others, A positive obligation about practical compassion concerning everything we do for others. In other words, it's not given just to apply to some people, our friends, or our family. Uh, It applies across all religious, racial, and cultural situations, and it is even to be applied towards our enemies. When we talk about the golden rule, many people, of course, say that they like it. It's well known, and people are inclined to say, yeah, I think that's good. Well, in reality, though it's often praised, it is rarely practiced. Another thing that's often pointed out related to this section of Scripture is that there are similar statements in other religions and by other individuals. But I really believe that the way it's presented by Christ and is to be practiced by His followers is very unique. Uh, Again, that same writer that I quoted earlier said, In this costly, comprehensive, and positive form, The golden rule was original to Christ and was unprecedented and unparalleled in the history of ethics. uh, There's things that sound like it, and we'll see that here in just a minute. But this writer, and I think he's right, it's unprecedented and unparalleled in the history of ethics. Uh, I think we can see or will see here by the grace of God that it's very radical very revolutionary. And uh, as we examine it, I hope that it will examine us and help us to see what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
And I, I know this, if we get a hold of it, we'll see how much we need God's grace to live in this way and how much we need His forgiveness when we don't. Well, I said I'd share just a few of some of the other forms that people think sound like the golden rule, but they're not. They're different. They're almost always stated in the negative. For instance, Confucius said, Do not do to others what you would not like yourself. Then there will be no there will be no resentment against you, either in your family or in the state. But notice it's negative. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Socrates, do not do to others what angers you if done to you by others. Again, a negative form. Now Aristotle got a little closer. He said, we should behave towards friends as we would wish friends to behave towards us. So it's in the positive there, but he, he restricts it quite a bit. We should behave towards friends this way. That's not what Jesus did. However you want people to treat you. Um, in Buddhism, hurt not others in ways that you yourself find hurtful. Hinduism, this is the sum of duty. Do nothing to others which you would not have them do to you. So over and over again, you have it stated in the negative. One that uh, the Jews would have been familiar with in the time of Christ, these are all, these people, uh, the Jewish people wouldn't have been aware of even at the time, <coughs> or very unlikely. But one uh, Jewish rabbi, Hillel was his name, uh, well known at the time of Christ. This would be, he probably said this about 50 years before, but this is what he said. What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole law, all the rest is commentary. So it sounds similar, but it, again, it's, it's negative. Most of what these people and different religions present is negative and passive. In other words, if you just sit in your room and don't do anything, you would keep the way you could keep the way they presented these things. The golden rule is positive and active. This is the way to live. This is what you do do. <clears throat> well, that's just a few. The list could be extended uh, on and on because there's many things like that. But I think it is interesting that there are so many statements that sound something like the golden rule. So it might be worth asking ourselves, why is that? And I think it's because some concept of the golden rule is a major part of what God has written on the human heart. There's just something in, innate in, in our spirit that says, that's the way I should be living. What some people have called natural law, it's just part of what is there by nature. It's what Paul calls the law written on the heart. So let's just uh, turn back to, or forward, I guess, to Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 
and verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law, that is the Old Testament scriptures, do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. So Paul talks about this law written on their hearts that that every person has. You don't have to have the Bible to have that. You have something of, I believe, this law that we're talking about today, this golden rule written on the heart. Now here's an interesting thing. Even Christopher Hitchens, who's one of these new atheists that uh, challenge Christianity, um, said this. He said, The so-called golden rule simply enjoins us to treat others as one would wish to be treated by them. This sober and rational precept, which one can teach any child with its innate sense of fairness, is within the compass of any atheist. It is gradually learned as part of the painful, painfully slow evolution of the species, and once grasped, it is never forgotten. Ordinary conscience will do without any heavenly wrath behind it. Now, of course, that's a caustic, what he's saying, but there's, he's, he's saying something I don't think he realizes there. Uh, even though he's saying there's nothing special about Jesus', Jesus teaching, uh, he's basically saying somehow we've learned it through the slow process of evolution of the species. He does acknowledge that it, that it is there. There's an in, innate sense of rightness about the golden rule and that it witnesses to the conscience of people everywhere. So he's saying really two things. I don't think he realizes it here. Saying it just come about, you know, through evolution, but he says it's innate and it witnesses to the conscience of everybody. Though he doesn't admit it or would never admit it, what he's saying is very close to what Paul said in Romans. It's written on the heart. It's written on the heart. Now, I think it's important to make a clear distinction between the law that's written on our hearts, the hearts of an unregenerate person, uh, by virtue of being made in the image of God, and the law that's written on our hearts, the hearts of a person that's born again. Those are different writings, you might say. Uh, The first law, to some degree, is part of our human nature. You might say it's there naturally. It's part of being made in the image of God. But since the fall, since humanity has turned from God, that first law is being suppressed and distorted all the time. It's probably why most of those uh, statements about that they say are similar to the golden rule, are stated in the negative. It's being suppressed. It's being distorted. But the second type of law, again, a law written on the heart, human heart, is one that's put there supernaturally. The first one was there naturally by virtue of being made the image of God. The second one is there supernaturally. This is the law that comes by way of the new covenant where God's law is written on our heart 
the heart of every believer. Uh, along, not just the law is not just written there; it's written there along with a desire to obey it. When he puts it there supernaturally, he also puts a supernatural desire to live this way, to obey it. Uh, <clears throat> this is the uh, quote from the Old Testament: "This is the covenant which I will make." With the house of Israel, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and on their hearts I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And he goes on talking about the new covenant, uh, showing that it will not be suppressed, even though that, that, that natural law, the, the law written on the heart by nature, is, all, is always suppressed to some degree. This law, this one, when he writes it on the human heart, it won't be suppressed. Uh, he says this in Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-seven: I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So he's saying not only am I going to write it there, I'm going to make it so that it is a reality in your life and it's lived out in your life. It's not automatic. We're not talking about something that just happens automatically. But for a regenerate person, the golden rule becomes a living reality and a lived reality. So, I'm saying all that. The main point of what I'm trying to say here is that although I believe the golden rule is to some degree written on all human hearts, it takes the Spirit of God to write it on your heart in such a way that it becomes a living reality. The golden rule, I think, is a brief summation of the lifestyle that Christ died and rose again to enable his followers to live in this world. It's a summation of the lifestyle that God has died, sent Christ to die and rise again so that we can live this way. It will be the way we live in the world to come perfectly. That's what heaven's going to be like. However you want people to treat you, so treat them. Even now, though, where the golden rule is practiced, we can experience a little bit of heaven on earth. So I'm making some... Uh, I guess, bold statements about this well-known portion of Scripture. It's so well-known, and yet it's so important. Uh, it's well-known in the sense that we know it basically, but to live it and practice it, that's what we're talking about. So we want to examine it in a little more detail. First thing to do is to recognize the context it was given in. This verse was not given in isolation. You know, it's, it's often just quoted by itself. And people don't even know where it came from. Well, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was the largest or the longest recorded message that Jesus gave to his followers. And that's one of the main points I want to make. This was given to Jesus' followers. Uh... His disciples, you remember, were told back at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 1, 
And when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. His disciples came to him. This is a sermon given to the disciples. Uh, it's obvious as you read through it, if he's saying, you are the salt of the earth, and let your light shine, and those type of things. That's, those are instructions for disciples. So this, this uh, portion of scripture that we're thinking about here today, the golden rule, is given to disciples. He gave this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, at the beginning of his ministry, soon after he was baptized. And we're told right after that that he went about the countryside proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. You see that back in verse uh, 17 of chapter 4. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 23. And Jesus was going about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So what we have in the Sermon on the Mount and then summarized in the Golden Rule is a description of the way a person lives who belongs to the kingdom of God. That's what, we, that's what we're looking at here. Description of the way a person lives who belongs to the kingdom of God, a person who has decisively, decisively acknowledged the rule and reign of God over his or her life. Sinclair Ferguson says it this way. He says, where Jesus reigns, there the kingdom of heaven is already present. So we're talking about what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. If you're a Christian, you're in the kingdom of God, and this is the way you'll live. This is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Um, Just in that little phrase, the gospel of the kingdom, and we read it earlier there in verse 23. Part of the gospel, part of the good news, is that with the arrival of the king and his redeeming work, a whole new way of life has been established on earth. When you come to church here, come to the meeting, you're getting together with a, pe- a group of people who are living a new way of life on earth. Through faith in Christ, we can enter this kingdom, this new order, made up of people who are new creatures through the new birth. They sing a new song and serve God in newness of life, and they have a new lifestyle. And that lifestyle involves is summed up in the verse we're looking at today, the golden rule. So the golden rule is not saying how a person should become a Christian. It's a summation of how a person lives who is a Christian. It's not telling us how to get to heaven. It was given us to show us how to get a little bit of heaven on earth. It encapsulates in one brief sentence the radical righteousness of the redeemed, the people that God has redeemed. In Christ, God has established a heavenly order here on earth where his will is done, not perfectly, but substantially, clearly, and really. A kingdom where people actually behave towards others the way they would want others to behave towards them. I'm saying all this and probably saying it over and over in one way or another, Just to emphasize that the golden rule is not a pleasant platitude given to the the world for it to admire. 
It's a summation of the lifestyle Christ calls his followers to and will enable them to live. One person said this way, he said it this way, None but those whose heart is filled with love to God and all mankind can keep this precept, either in spirit or letter. Self-love will feel itself sadly cramped when brought within the limits of this precept. It's, it's the exact opposite of self-love, you see. Well, that has been kind of a long introduction to what we want to do here this morning. I want to examine this verse in a little closer uh, detail. And uh, hopefully, I think this is probably going to be a two-part message. So we'll just kind of get started this morning. So to zero our attention on the verse, let me just read it in several different translations. The King James says, Therefore all things whatsoever you you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The NIV says, So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. The New American Standard, Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets, or if you have a newer version of the New American Standard, it says it this way, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. So, I think the place to begin in examining the verse is with that word, therefore. As is often pointed out, when that word is there in a verse, it points back to something previous. Some commentators think that that verse 12, the the golden rule, points back to the previous 11 verses of chapter 7. So you go back just uh, 11 verses, and they think that's what he's summarizing that when he says, therefore. Uh, That would have to do with not being judgmental but rather being like God who gives good gives what is good to his children but i don't i don't think that's big enough i think you've already figured out that that it's bigger than that i really think jesus is summing up all that he's explained about the law and the prophets in the sermon on the mount what jesus is doing throughout the sermon on the mount was giving his divine interpretation of what the teachings of the old testament were really all about He was correcting misunderstandings that had come about through the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees, but he was doing more than that. He was showing the real depth of meaning presented in the Law and the Prophets and also what the true fulfillment of those writings involved. So I really think as far as what we should look back to is what he says in chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. See, there's that little phrase that that uh, is there in the golden rule. Do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So I really think that... Uh, 
what he is giving us in the golden rule is a summation of the entire section between Matthew 17 and Matthew 7:12. Which what's that mean? That means that doing to others as you would have them do to you is basically a summary a summary of what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. But even more than that, more than that, it's a summary of all the moral teaching of the law and the prophets in the Old Testament. Because that's, see, he says, he's, he's explained the law and the prophets in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he summarizes what he says. However you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. I, it's like, the Sermon on the Mount, he was explaining it, and now he's saying, just realize this is the whole ball of wax in terms of this, uh, the Old Testament. In other words, I'm trying to get across to you that this golden rule is really big. It's, it's really important in understanding Christianity and the Christian life. I guess you could say it this way. As we put into practice the golden rule, we will fulfill the law. When we say that, then that should bring to mind some other scriptures uh, that speak about the law and the prophets and fulfilling them. For instance, Jesus said concerning the commandments of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, that these two commandments depend upon these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. So he's saying the law and the prophets, what are they talking about? Jesus said, Well, they're talking about loving God and loving others. What's he say here? What's well he says the way we treat we want people to treat you so treat them. So there's a definite correlation between these verses, you see, because they both are summing up and telling us what the law and the prophets are all about. Obviously a relationship between these commandments of loving God and man and the golden rule. So that should tell us something about how we should understand this golden rule. It has to do with love. That's certainly a big aspect of what he's talking about here when he's talking about how we should treat how we would want others to treat us. You see this again in Romans chapter 13. Let's turn there. Romans 13, verse 8 through 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. There's that idea of the fulfillment of law. Actually, I should have started reading back at verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And then he lists some of the law. And And then he says, if there's any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is 
the fulfillment of the law. So there's, you see there's a tie-in to these verses having to do with fulfilling the law. You see it again in Galatians chapter 5. Let's turn there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Both Jesus and Paul were quoting from the Old Testament when they quoted this verse about loving your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus 19.18, which, let me just read it. It says, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So you might say, well, that's, that's uh, positive, but it's, it's restricted to the sons of your people. But if you keep reading in Leviticus 19, you, realize, you find that he says this in verse 34. He says, uh, When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native, and you shall love him as yourself. So he says it not just to the Jewish people, but to the stranger. You shall love him as yourself. When you couple this with all the verses that we've looked at here, I think you you can see that uh, we're talking about loving, when we're talking about treating another person as we would want to be treated, we're talking about Loving that person. That person, just like you want to be loved, that person wants to be loved. They want, you want to be treated kindly. And that's the way we should treat one another. Loving your neighbor is doing what is best for them. We see this again in James chapter 2, verse 8. I'll just read it to you here. Um, James says, If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to this scripture, you you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So, I think it would be proper to say that the golden rule and the royal law that James talks about are virtually the same thing. To love your neighbor as yourself and to treat others as you want to be treated are essentially saying the same thing. Both point to something written deep in our makeup as creatures made in the image of God which I think you could call the law of love. It's there. Because God is a God of love. God is love. If we're made in his image, you know that that's going to be a large part 
or what that means to be made in his image. So it's there in the natural man, but suppressed. It's there in the supernatural person, the person who's been born of the Spirit, and it comes out because God's put it within you. Let me just restate that. This law was there from the beginning of creation, since we are made in the image of God, who is love. It was distorted by the fall, yet it remains in the conscience in a suppressed form. It's the main message of the Law and the Prophets. It's the main message of the Old Testament, but not followed by most of the Jewish nation. With the coming of Christ, it was clearly defined and demonstrated and made the distinguishing characteristic of his new kingdom. First John says, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So Jesus takes this, this royal law, this golden rule, and shows us the real depth of it by the way he lived, by what he said, what he did, and what he instructed us in. The Apostle John goes on to say there in 1 John, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him, and then I like this, and in you. It's true in him, but it's true in you also. Because the darkness is passed away and the true light is already shining. So, this, this golden rule is true in him, but it's true in you also. This law, this law of love is true in him, but it's true in you also. <clears throat> which shows again why this is an instruction for, a, for the disciples. It's not, the, it's not, the natural person is not capable of living in this manner because we're de completely dependent on God to live like this. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to bring this about. To just have it written in gold on the walls of our house won't do it like that emperor it's got to be written on your heart by the Holy Spirit <clears throat> well I, I'm going to close here with one verse from Romans chapter 8 and like I said this is really just kind of an introduction to the subject I'll try to fill it out some more next time but Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse 3 and 4 for what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law 
might be, be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The requirement of the law can be fulfilled, you see, in us as we walk in the Spirit. God's made this possible. I mean, when you, see, when you get a little feel for how big this golden rule is, I mean, every person we come across, every person we interact with, this golden rule is there to instruct us on how to live. And it's, 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 uh, it's impossible to live this way apart from the Spirit of God. You can't do it. It sounds, sounds, it's such a simple saying. People then think it's simple. It is not simple. Uh, anybody that lives their life in accordance with the golden rule has had the Holy Spirit work in their life. So I hope we'll be able to see that a little more uh, when we look at this um, section again next time, Lord willing.